Welcome, people of the internet. This is Geek Rating Review, where we talk about everything geek culture and geek related. My name is Jean Marc, and I talk. My name's Nick. We talk about food, too. I was born on Jean Marc because I'm his lowest brother, David. David, where's your alcohol? Why are you putting your <laughs> shirt on the drink? You can't take a shot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, doesn't, he doesn't want a bare-chested podcast. Oh. I was thinking I'm about doing one of those. The, I'm not wearing the underwear, so. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't stand up. Mm. Uh, where's that a Wiener uh, podcast? Oh, no. Jeffrey Wiener. I forget his first name. The, the New York politician. Oh. Like, Anthony Wiener? Anthony Wiener. Anthony Wiener, yeah. Yeah. Mike, I'm wearing your favorite game on the shirt. I'm, I'm still wearing a Superman shirt. Wow, where to wear a Legend of Zelda shirt during our Star Wars podcast, David? I don't own a Star Wars paraphernalia. I own a lot of Star Wars shirts. But this is like my prized possession right here. For the, for the listener, it is a VHS okay, copy okay. of the original Star Wars. Oh. it's Look, and either there's a sticker on it. It says, last chance to own the original version. Yeah. <laughs> right, bef- right, bef- right before they ruined them. Right before they hey, put I their fingers. I think it's better in. that we made Han Solo a more human character that was not Stoneheart Killer. Yes. Or interesting, anyway. I think that made the story way better. It's so much or, better. Or, or sticking his finger through Jabba the Hutt whenever he's... <laughs> Sticks his finger well, through you don't know their customs that could be their customs. <laughs> That's true. So welcome to the, the Star Wars podcast. Yeah. yeah, that's just a rogenous zone. <laughs> and it's an alien culture. You can't pass value judgments on it. That's right. Sure. Han owes a lot to Jabba. I just yeah. figured out the band name is a rogenous zone. Ew. With the band in the cantina? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh no. It's better than the singer in Jedi that they added. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. So this is a Star Wars episode, right? Yeah. Okay. We're gonna go through the Star Wars so movies in Star order Wars of appearance, not in the like episode one. We're gonna start with episode four. A New Hope that was released in 1977, oh, and none of us, except for maybe one of us, who well, our guest star, Andre Lejeune, is here to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, or Andre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can blur out your name if you want me to. <laughs> no, or, fine. Or blank it out. It's not a preclude me from uh, being like Secretary of Defense or anything. Mm. Well, you could say that it's just one of the one of the Lejeune brothers, and it would still be a yeah. dice roll to get the right one. <laughs> it's true. So, Andre, I wanted to get your thoughts and what you went through when Star Wars Episode Four, as it's called now, A New Hope, which it's called now, <laughs> was released <laughs> in 1977. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was little. like I was like seven or eight years old when it came out. Wow. And it was sort of like a shockwave when it came out because like i know quentin tarantino loves like 70s stuff but in a lot of ways the movies in the 70s were depressing and turgid and 
like when they started with that vein of movies, they're very like gritty and you know that's what people were kind of looking for was something different from the big studio movies, you know, with everything over the top. But like they were terrible, you know. Like a few of them might have been good, but most of them were just depressing schlock. And right, seventy six best picture was Rocky. Yeah, they were like that. They they were sort of they they were just like like Rocky, don't stick a gun in your mouth. You know, that should have been the subject of the movie. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was depressing, you know? And, like, when when Star Wars came out, it was like a thunderbolt of, like, you know, people wanting to see movies like that in Hollywood saying, you have to watch this depressing garbage. It caused shockwaves in the movie industry, and there was just nothing like it out there. It used, like, you know, classic sound images, characters. The story was, like, uplifting and positive. There was literally nothing like it. You know, movie theaters played Star Wars every day for, like, a year. Wow. After it came out. Like, and people watched it dozens of times. I, I don't think there's anything comparable to it, you know, that's happened in decades. It, it was, uh, like, a paradigm shift in movie making. I think that's a perfect point because it's also one of the first films to be made by a film nerd. You know, all those guys went to college together and watched Kurosawa movies and watched old gangster movies and stuff, and they started to integrate that. Kind of like what Tarantino does and has been doing for 30 years, but these guys were doing it in the 70s before everybody. So what felt fresh to the masses was just kind of chopping up the old styles and making something new and, and funky. Or could you say term, and, you know? and I mean and, and again there's nothing wrong with that. You know, every generation needs no. their, their their King Arthur and their Robin Hood and you know, No, Fire stop Moon making Robin Hood. I mean, <laughs> 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 but I mean like great stories can be retold for every generation. Yeah, but right. I think but we could also say maybe they used what worked in old movies and what was more visually appealing or what they thought looked good in those old movies and put them in these and, new ones. But one of the great things about Star Wars was it was sci-fi, but the future was old. Yes, it was lived like, in. Like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't like Star Trek two thousand nine where everything was pristine and you know, you could eat off the floor and like their helmets had like carbon scoring and their ships were messed up. They looked old. Mm-hmm. Like they'd been used. The tech was rock solid. It wasn't like Oh, the shields are about to fail, and you know the blinking on and off. It's just like no, it just works. Hyperdrives work, blasters work. You know, and they've worked for hundreds of years. It's just it's known tech that made it a lot more grounded. You know, like like your brain, it felt real in your brain. It was presented in a in a real real manner. Yeah, intentionally ugly. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that also goes to the Japanese aesthetic. Flaws make stuff seem more real. Like you drop a bowl, like there's a Japanese thing where like if you break a bowl, they'll put it back together and it'll show the areas where they fixed it. Hmm. And that's considered beautiful. Hmm. You know? Yeah, like her, like her, we talked about, I brought up Kurosawa movies, is when you think of like a British drama is set in high class society, where a Kurosawa drama is going to show samurai in their, their natural peasantry. Yeah. Interacting peasants where yeah they get their orders from the feudal lords and stuff but the the meat of the story takes place with the peasantry in the dirt in the dust and that's what and, makes it 
Oh, really? And, and that yeah. is the thing that's really interesting is that really Star Wars Episode Four is the basic action of the movie is a direct reinterpretation of a Kurosawa movie called The Hidden Fortress. Yep. I mean, who 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 has not seen The Hidden Fortress here? <laughs> <laughs> I need to visit I, Nick I, or your house. I'm a, I'm a weird I'm a weird movie nerd. Like I've seen all those Star movies, mm-hmm. and I've seen all the spaghetti westerns that are remakes yeah. of those, and then mm-hmm. remakes on remake remake. But I think George Lucas is a visionary filmmaker. He's just not a great director, and mm-hmm. come up later on in our discussion. He doesn't know how to handle an actor. Where that's probably why Episode Four works because you only had a couple of established actors. And the rest well, were and, and I think George Lucas is better when he's not under control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Because, like... And, and, and I think when he was with his wife, who, who is the primary editor... Oh, his, his, he needed... Better. Yeah, he definitely his needed a good script made, doctor. made episode four... Or, his wife actually made episode four possible because <laughs> she recut the movie after they showed it to the studio and to cast audiences and they were bored yeah. Fox and initially hated it cut it yeah they didn't want to release it um, that's why they they signed these weird royalty contracts where mm-hmm. uh, the first Star Wars movie made Spielberg Lucas and uh, De Palma not De Palma um, Coppola way more money than it made Fox mm-hmm. because they actually believed yeah. in it oh yeah so I mean it was a re- revolutionary movie on all levels and and the primary action of it was it used a lot of different source materials that it compiled together in a unique unique way. You know like the Kurosawa movie was the basic action of the movie. And then they used like the Flash Gordon type stuff where it was the old serials. Like if you ever seen any of those old serials on TV, most of the time you wouldn't catch number 1. That's why it's episode 4. Like, you go to the movie theater, or, like, if it played on TV randomly, like I saw it from some of those sometimes. Like, they have, like, cheesy robots attacking people, or they'd be on the side of a cliff falling, and he would catch a rope. You know, where, like, the, yep. the previous episode, he'd fallen off a cliff, and that's how they ended it, in the cliffhanger. Yeah. And it would begin with him grabbing a rope and climbing up over the cliff. You know, it'd be like, how did he end up there? I don't know. And then they just go on with the story. I think that's great, you know? It's something that would never happen in a movie today. Mm-hmm. Never. Never. They'd never let them take a chance like that. Nope. Unless you were going backwards in a story, which they probably wouldn't do that in a you series. You could do it in a TV show, but not Oh, a absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think what happens when you give George Lucas the auteur, George Lucas, you get Howard the Duck. <laughs> <In a, laughs> That's what he. That's the film he wanted to make, which I could argue needs a would have a good sequel if you got the right director on it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, like he George Lucas used a lot of ideas that were out then. You know, yeah. he combined them in a way. You know, so he used like Kurosawa, the Flash Gordon movies, and to a certain extent, he threw in stuff from Dune. Hmm. There's like 16 points that he directly pulled from Dune to put in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I can't read. But, I can't read. But, but Frank Herbert decided not to sue him. <laughs> well, he got his movie eventually. Yeah, and David you know. Lynch and David Lynch fought like hell to get his name off of the Dune movie. Oh wow. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> I but can't yeah. read Dune. It's those names. I, I, I can't read uh like the Dark Elf trilogy because of the names. 
Okay. But, but names sound like places, and I'm like, well, is that a place, a city, or a person? I get lost, and I feel the same way with Dune. I think there's a cool story to tell there, but I just, I can't. I get lost. Made up names and places names, like, always sound funny. That's, I think that's why I like Song of Ice and Fire, because they just sound like the British countryside. I don't know. Can we talk about how George Lucas didn't direct Empire, and it's a much better movie? We're moving the Empire already? We're doing <laughs> these one at a time. What? Are we still on episode four? Well, Empire's way better. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think episode episode four is it's just a note, like, how pivotal that movie was. Yeah. And in some ways, the movie studios learned the wrong lessons from episode four, because there were tons and tons and tons of things that tried to be Star Wars afterwards that completely failed. The black yeah. hole. Yeah. <laughs> Disney's the black hole. It yeah. says it right there. Yeah. yeah. One of the darkest Disney movies ever made. We got an awesome Robert Forrester in space. Like, that dude doesn't need to be in space. Not with that voice. I think... Oh, well. I think I'll wait till we get to the next movie. What were y'all impressions of episode four before? I know we got Andre's, but I want to hear more David or Nick's. Uh... <laughs> I've, I've said my piece. I think uh, Alec Guinness carries the movie for half of it and then kind of see some pretty decent acting chops from Mark Hamill mm-hmm. for the second half. And I love the cinematography in the Death Star scene. You mean the trench run or... Yeah, the, the trench, the whole fight, the, you know, the, the smartest thing you can do is to make stark white spaceships on a black background because it really hides your green screen really well. And I think it holds up today, even with the miniature work they did in the 70s and the cinematography that they did, it, it holds up today. David, well, you, go ahead. I mean, I watched the movie probably 20 years after it was released because I was seven when I first watched it around that. Probably the same age Andre was when he first saw it. I mean... Even still, 20 years later, there was nothing like it. It was an exciting movie to watch. I guess there was better-looking movies after that, but I wouldn't have known. Even as a kid, I thought the movie came out a few years before. I had no idea it was 20 years old at that point. So for me, it held up. It was really, it was an enjoyable movie. Not my favorite. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but you already know that. Yeah, it was fun. Unique, like I think that's the right that's the right adjective. I think fun is it's the last fun Star Wars movie. That's for sure. <laughs> I could argue that. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's part of the the feel of the Star Wars movie is, is the fun. Like a At real points. Star Wars movie, you feel you feel danger, but you feel fun. Like it, there should definitely be fun in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, but it's not like a Goonies danger. It's not. It's not it's fun. It's not cartoonish danger. It's, it's right. It's, it's actual danger, yeah. It's one-liners and joke cracks from hardened people in hard situations. And I think that's yeah. that's something that has been definitely hammed in in these newer movies with... Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, man. The <laughs> force, <laughs> but I think we should just leave it there for now. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah, move the, on to the next the one. Force, like, the force you know, humor the is not... The work and the things that are, are great, you know? Yeah. So, uh, let me pull it up. Our next movie is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, and it was released in 1980. That was my first Star Wars. I watched uh, Empire Strikes Back before watching the original, and so I actually always grew up thinking the original Star Wars wasn't as good. <laughs> and I was like, that's okay. I, I prefer the one with Barth Vader's in it more. I remember thinking that as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I heard Barth, too. Yeah. Well, that's his uh, cousin. 
Yeah. <laughs> cousin from Bill Platt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My Uncle Barth. Yeah, he, he owns that gas station on 190. Yeah. <laughs> they sell the boot and it makes you throw up. Yeah. <laughs> that was my next line after this swallow. <laughs> but I was going to say it gives you the foie. Mm. Hey, it's normally both. Yeah. So, Andre, what was your, like, you, you watched the first one. It was this cultural phenomenon. And then yeah. the next one's coming out. How was that like growing up? You know, like you have sky high expectations after the first one, and it exceeded expectations, like on all levels. It's just like these characters that you you enjoy, you, you know, you feel a connection with them, and they just get their guts stomped out, and they're just fighting to survive. They take it to a place that people basically couldn't have anticipated that other directors or other filmmakers just wouldn't have gone there at all. Like, it was unexpected. There was a lot of like, expectations, and it just exceeded people's expectations by a mile. Just a great movie. Fantastic movie. Well, like, and we talked about this a little bit, you and I, Andre. We talked about, like, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. But, like, I think, like, charisma in your actors can carry a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think this is when Mark Hamill was finally getting his chops as an actor, more so than in the other mm -hmm. one. And you had, yeah. you know, Han Solo and Leia and uh, Lando Calrissian all having these big personalities. And and the way that it's acted, they come off more natural than, like, they're, like, standing and acting. You know, it was such mm -hmm. a natural, good performance. And yeah. Darth Vader was actually was, menacing in this one as well, working, acting against that. Going on there. Let's say that again? There's definitely a lot of method going on there with those yeah. actors. They felt like three-dimensional people. Yeah. You know, there wasn't like, oh, I'm just reading my lines. You know, when do we break? Yeah. You know, that's Yeah, it, it felt like they hung out off set. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. kept the conversation and, and, going. And the charisma but the, and the chemistry between uh, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford mm -hmm. was, was electric yeah. in that movie. They really were into each other in that movie. It was a love triangle that worked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Since you have it built up from the first movie, coming into this one, you have expectations that were actually kind of subverted when you think that Luke's mm -hmm. going to end up with Leia and, and that doesn't happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Like in other trilogies, like, you know, a lot of trilogies, the second movie is is where they kind of just grunt through it. You know, oh, we got to get to the third one. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, it really showed you, like, the growth of the characters in a very meaningful way. You know, in, like, a quantifiable kind of way that was really just vastly rewarding to watch. Mm -hmm. That furthered that connection people have with the characters. And they were consistent. The enemies were menacing and deadly. They walked all over them, you know. And, you know, you go head-to-head -head with something that's based on brute force. And they're going to crush you, and that's what happens. You know? Yeah, it's it's ballsy to to have your heroes lose in such a mm -hmm. in such a complete fashion. And you got the the treachery with Lando. You got mm -hmm. uh, the chemistry. You got Luke's arm. Can we say that arm? Yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his 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 handicap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's also sort of like you know back in Norse mythology, you know, like. Odin lost his eye for wisdom, and Luke lost his hand. You know, yeah, but Odin, the lesson. Odin gave up his his eye. 
Well, Luke kind of did too, wasn't like in the process thinking. of growing, you know, like he yeah. was damaged and, and came away from it a stronger person, you know? Yeah, that, that Empire, all it does is subvert expectations, you know, it's mm -hmm. the twist, it's the, you know, the, the feet of our heroes. And, and, the, and, and also there's something that the current writers have forgotten, and that is for your antagonists <laughs> to be menacing, they have to be competent. And they have to have a plan, and you have to be honest to those characters. Because if you don't have a good antagonist, the protagonist's victories are hollow. Yeah. Like, Luke Skywalker was an adult, and all the Imperials were toddlers. He'd just go around massacring them, and it would be boring. Yeah. How did he accomplish anything? But they weren't. They were a genuine, visceral threat. You know, yeah, like, Hoth was a massacre. Mm -hmm. uh, Hoth, Hoth wasn't a fair fight. It was a massacre. No, you know they, yeah. they the the rebellion had no chance. Mm -hmm. um, from, and from it, it's, the it's get go, from and they the all jump. knew it. They all knew it. Yep. They all realized it. They're like, we as soon uh, as they showed up, they said we're done. And they fought. I, I'm of the opinion that that Empire is not only one of my favorite sci-fi movies; it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's consistent. And it's it consistently tells, listed that way, and that's going to come up later, right? And it's also, <laughs> it's it's also the the least meddled with of the special editions. Mm -hmm. Thank God. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it has the fewest yeah, tweaks absolutely. because it was such a better movie. Mm -hmm. That was the uh, Irving Kirshner directed. Yeah. One way to look at like a movie like that: if that movie had no effects, would it still have been a good movie? Yep. Yeah. Like if, if that was made in the 40s and there were no special effects other than static shots of it still would be a great movie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's Good well movie. shot, it's well acted, and it's it's well scored. Oh, yeah. It established the, the feel going forward that wasn't yeah. wasn't exactly taken perfectly, but yeah. it's and one it, of the best movies it, ever made. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the feeling like when Luke was interacting with the Emperor and Vader, just the fact that the Emperor was there and you didn't even really know that the Emperor was a person. And when you're introduced to that character, he had such a a presence, you know, like a real presence. That and didn't do anything. Uh, he didn't well, need to. He, mm -hmm. Yeah. He he literally didn't lift a finger. But we're still but talking still, about but Episode five, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like he still owned that room even without lifting a finger. Yeah, because awesome. Well, because it not only elevated him, it elevated Darth Vader in a in a way mm -hmm. where you're like, well, Darth Vader is this bad guy who who could possibly be worse than him, you know, yeah. or, or tougher than him. But talking about cinematography, this has some of the best shots I've ever seen in any movie. Oh, even yeah. with Yoda in it, you oh, think man. there's Yoda's in this one, right? It's not. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, and, and it, even the shots mm -hmm. with Yoda in it, the lighting they use, and the way, mm -hmm. it, like when he gets serious in the movie, those are some of my favorite oh, yeah. scenes. It's so deep, also. Yeah, you know, like like it's it's deep without being preachy or dumb. Yes, and really, it it sets up like the Force in Star Wars yes. in a way that I don't think the people currently making Star Wars movies understand this thing. Yeah, because it, people no. currently making Star Wars movies don't understand the Force at all. Yeah, they, they're treating the Force now as a setting instead of a feeling. The thing is, is the Force in Star Wars is such a powerful thing 
that if you are not, like the analogy for the force is like fire, like playing with fire. Mm -hmm. And if you're not scrupulous and you're not, and you take shortcuts with it, you're going to get burned. And right. the force isn't an active thing in the universe. It's just there. You can use it and interact with it, but if you don't do it in the proper way, it will destroy you. And you'll end up like the Sith. And the people making Star Wars movies now don't understand that at all. They think because they're too worried about the balance. They're too worried about the balance. It's idea to begin with. It's like, how do you balance the water on the Earth? You can't. You know, you're not going to change the solar output of the sun. You can't. You can harness it or not harness it or whatever. You know, it, it's there no matter what you do. And to say that, you know, it has to be balanced is crazy. And it, and it really is doing damage for the further movie. <laughs> <laughs> My kid is in here, man. <laughs> That's good. I'll edit. I'll try to edit around that. Just <laughs> uh, very squeaky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can do one more movie. I can do one more movie. I might have to bring my wife to the doctor. Oh no. Yeah, she's got some. Oh no. Like literal or? Yeah, I put I put poop on her arm. Oh no. Well, I guess we can get through episodes pack. one through or four can... through six, and then. Come back to it like we did yeah. Final Fantasy. It's already a pretty That's long cool. episode. Or yeah. we could just do these three because they're the only good ones. <laughs> yeah, we could <laughs> talk about the the, the best uh, Star Wars movies. I don't think Force Awakens is bad. Um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, we want to do Jedi because uh, I I think Jedi is Jedi's weird. Mm -hmm. I like Jedi because it's the Muppet movie. And I like the Muppets, but it tells a weird story. I like the Battle of Endor if it didn't have Muppets in it. Yes. I, I Sorry. didn't see that movie. Yeah, but it's not a deal breaker. No, it's just poorly executed. It, yeah. It's too much like fluff and like, comic well, I mean, relief. If they would have stuck with the original plan and they'd have, it had been on Kashyyyk and there would have been Wookiees there, that would have been a completely different movie. Yes. I'm, but how many six foot seven actors can you can you hire? Or do you have kids? I mean, do you, you just get the glow powder? You can use force perspective. Yeah, but why? Yeah. Do we know why they didn't go with with that? Do we do we know why he went with Ewoks instead? Like what? Because Muppets. Because, because kids. kids. Because merchandising. Oh. Only reason. Wow. Frank Oz was like, "Hey, man, we make all this mm -hmm. Kermit the Frog and Fozzie Bear stuff, and yeah, we merchandise it and." Yeah, it was supposed to be whooping, exactly like tearing people's arms off and pulling their spines out. And <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating stormtroopers. And then it was, it was well, squeaky Ewoks. Ewoks. Storm oh, that's true. They were cannibals. I forgot about that. The Ewoks. Yeah. Like, they, they crushed one of the ATST walkers with two logs. I'm like, that is violent as hell. Playing they drums on the skulls of their enemies. Yeah. Not, not about the fuzzy <laughs> nature of it. Yeah. I like how unclear it is about how long it is after the event with Empire. It's a cool way to show that, like, yeah, you know, like some on. time has gone by. Adventures have taken place. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it doesn't. Have to, and that's it doesn't, great. That's absolutely great. Some things don't have to be quantified. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that aspect of like how long has people been using Solo as a coaster? And I, I like how Luke's Luke's aesthetic has shifted. Like the movie, and, and, and you don't have to have a narrator that says Luke has grown in power. Yep, 
You don't you have just look, to you say see, that. He's got a different haircut than robot Luke, hand. Luke has greatly matured in the Force. You don't have to have that. He shows it. He, you don't have to tell it to the audience. Right, and it's subtly hinted at with just the, the like mm-hmm. his color palette. You know, he's got a different haircut. He wears yeah. he wears darker clothes. He wears the all way black. He moves, the way he moves is different. The way right. he speaks is different. It's better acting with a subdued performance, which is very mm-hmm. difficult to wrangle, especially across a series of movies. Mm, yeah. Like, the first 90 minutes of Jedi feel like it's better. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's whenever it starts to take a hit. But, and we're, ju- we're just talking about the 82 version, right? Yeah, we're just talking about, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. That was released in 1983. Singer, man. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we're not talking about the <laughs> tragic additions she have to six, these. Does she have six? <laughs> she has like that. Something. Oh, man. But only one set of lips. I like Jedi right up until they leave Jabba's palace. And that's when it starts to slow down for me. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know it's a different phase of the movie. I think it, it, it has it's a very too different much, tone to it. It's too much of a pumping of the brakes in the narrative. Jedi starts fast and gets to the action mm-hmm. fast. And then once they leave Jabba's palace, it's like they put the brakes on. They let the narrative catch up. There's mm-hmm. the planning phases and everything. And then it, there's another secondary climax at the end of the movie. Yeah, the, I don't the know. The it, it is, is kind of inconsistent in uh, Return of the Jedi. You know, yeah. That's a legitimate issue. The beginning is basically like a, a, a Star Wars short. You know, where they go on this little adventure to rescue Han. That is very important that they do that. And that is something that needs to be visually exciting. And they even set up Mm -hmm. their own villain. They set up the menace of him. And then being able to Mm -hmm. defeat him in that short amount of time is actually very impressive. That they were able to do so much. It also pulls the narrative along a lot. Because you learn about who these bounty hunters work for. The other side of the empire. You know, the, the scummy kind of people. You know, and organized crime in aerial yeah. territories and stuff. Yeah. You know? It kind of I don't, I don't like the narrative of the universe. Yeah. I also, I don't like the accidental defeat of... Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. No one did. Yeah, no one did. Yeah. <laughs> no one did. <laughs> I mean... What's his name? Jabba... Nope. Not, not Jango. No, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. No it, one liked it when Boba Fett went out that way. No one did. Boba Fett was astoundingly, astoundingly popular. Yeah. For as little as Boba Fett did. And Intimidating he, just through just through appearance. You know, he looks badass. He looks he looks imposing. He looks like he's good at his job. To be taken out and, by accident. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's 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 not good. It's narratively lazy. It was, it was unsatisfying on every level, just about. Well, you know, yeah, there's a big laser turret on that palace they could have used to kill him. Or at least have him square off with Luke. And It's yeah. funny because as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, uh, he's going to bust out in a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, he's got a jetpack with it. Yeah. What Jedi wasn't like a perfect movie. Yeah. It still was a great movie. Yeah. I like the first half of Jedi about as much as I like New Hope. It's just the, the pacing issues and the Muppet factor is what drags it down for me. So I won't sit here and say it's a bad movie. Yeah. I'll watch it. I own it, but I own a lot of stuff. 
<laughs> I, I own stuff I don't. I own stuff I don't like. I do not like the special editions. I own the Blu-ray box set of Star Wars special edition, but mm. there are ways to get the theatrical versions out there that are less than legal. You can get Blu-rays that have the international laser disc versions mm-hmm. of the original trilogies. They're about like twenty bucks a piece. I recommend them. Mm. You have it in the original wow. theatrical widescreen. It's not touched. It is mm-hmm. pristine, glorious laser disc beauty. Are those legal though? They're in a legal gray area, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's illegal to have a factory and sell them. It's illegal yes. to mass produce them and have a factory and sell them. Yeah. If it is not illegal them, to own them. It is illegal to traffic them. Yes. Right. But Especially in the great state of Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a warehouse. And you're selling them out of a warehouse. Yeah. That's illegal. Yep. If you don't sell them to anybody, then you're fine. Yeah. Yes. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't have a Blu-ray burner, so I'm not a lawyer, so don't. Yeah. We're not saying, confirming or denying that we own these things. We just know they exist. Oh, I got you. May you may or may not own them. Yeah, you may or may not own them. No, Nick. Come for me, FBI. You don't want to definitively say that. Well, um, they, they used to have like a one eight hundred number where you could rat people out for like pirating software and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, it was at the beginning of every uh, movie. And I know somebody who car. would do that. <laughs> I know someone who would do that. Really? To other people, yeah. Wow, that's ridiculous. Screw that guy. Yeah. But <laughs> mm-hmm. well, we kind of want to know, know my hard drives, buddy. But we did kind of skip over some stuff in in Empire, you know, where like you know uh-huh. they freeze Han Solo, and Luke's Darth Vader's his father, and then it ends with them. Oh, yeah. like, and that, that was truly that was truly <laughs> shocking. Yeah, I mean, that hey, one of my favorite shocking. bits of trivia about Empire is when that, before they freeze Solo, nobody on set knew what the line was going to be because Han Harrison Ford kept changing it because he didn't like who it was written. Yeah. So whenever she says "I love you." He says, I know, that was completely off-the-cuff ad-lib. Well, and it's no, the, no, it actually, it was scripted. It was scripted but, to be... The scripted, I love you too. That right. was the scripted line. But Harrison yeah. Ford threw a fit he before, during, and after yeah. he gave the line. Yeah. He gave the director a ration because he thought it was hokey and dumb. And he said, let me do it my way. And his way was so much better, they just left it in. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. Because of it, you know. and it, that's another because thing we can completely in character. Yep, and that's yeah. something that we can think as wife being the editor because she was the deciding factor. Because George Lucas still didn't want it, and she said, "No, it makes sense with the character." And it yeah. was she drew the line yeah. and said, and "This it needs shows to be you in how, there. how bad of a decision maker George Lucas is when yeah. it comes to editing. Yes, because <laughs> I think you know George Lucas is a big idea person. You just have to like. Rain his ideas in into like a cohesive yeah. well, it's, it's like thing. that in life. You have like creative types. Yeah. It's like Michelangelo. If he wasn't under economic threat, he'd have just sat around and smoked dope all day and not done anything. <laughs> you know, he had to have money people tell him, make something awesome, you know, otherwise he wouldn't have been. You know, you, yeah. creative people need people to, to make them do stuff. It's great. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. sometimes you get the auteurs that they become these monsters like black like George Lucas, like Peter Jackson <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that you gotta yeah 
it it's fine to be a creative mind and a creative genius and all these things, but yeah, maybe you might tell him no. Uh, I am so happy that somebody finally told Guillermo del Toro no. He's actually pulled back, you know, oh, and yeah. he's made better movies because of. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Pacific Rim. Yeah, <laughs> Pacific Rim's not a bad movie, <laughs> but it's not really all that good. Either. No, no. Um, but Hellboy Two is an awesome movie. Have I seen Hellboy Two? The Golden Army? No, I don't think well, I've seen that one. Anyway, back to Star Wars. Yeah, back to Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so we're caught up to. I guess um, they leave Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to forget what happens uh, to Nick's point. What happens right after that? Um, <laughs> you got the, the planning phase of Luke back to Dagobah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Three. It's a simple movie, like in the the action of the movie. But then you have Death Star revisited, mm-hmm. which is not good. I and it, was re- and it happened again in. Force Awakens. Yeah, but I kind of liked that it was. I almost wish the Death Star it, it wasn't. It was shocking that they brought the the Death Star back. Yeah. Yeah, that was shocking at the time. Like, like what they did with it in the Force Awakens was a travesty. But like in Return of the Jedi, it wasn't terrible that they did that. Big organization, they're going to do stuff like that. You know, well, it kind of worked before. Let's try it again. You know. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. And it made more sense, too, that they're building it so there's obvious holes in it, unlike in the first one where they have to find it, you know what I mean? I think the the unfinished Death Star is a more iconic image than the finished Death Star. Yeah. Because even when I was a kid, when I saw the Death Star a second time, I freaked out. I was like, what Mm -hmm. is that? And they said, it's the Death Star. And I went, what? And they said, yeah, they're rebuilding it. And I was like... Like, it shocked me as a kid. Like, yeah, that was... Beca- absolutely. It's, beca- it's a shocking thing. Yeah. That's why it was such a fake palm in The Force Awakens, you know? Yeah. Because it, it seemed more like a joke in Force Awakens. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, like, it, it definitely... It just shocked me out of the movie. I was just like... Yeah. F this movie at that point. You know, when I saw that. I was just like... I felt like walking out when I saw that. Yeah. It, it, it's like, why can't we just see a frontal assault of two, like, huge armies meeting in space. Or two fleets of ships. We've never really seen that. We kind of did at the end of Return of the Jedi. What? Rogue One has a better... Oh, well, yeah. Rogue One, you got a foot battle and you got some space stuff. Yeah. Space stuff. Do you like Rogue One? We'll we'll get there. Um... I don't think it was a bad movie. <laughs> I like. You know? I like the. I lot. think it had the tone of a Star Wars movie. Um, yeah. I think it should have been held in development for another year or two, and they should have polished the script. That's Disney before no. they released it. Yeah. It could have been a great movie. I thought it was a good movie. I think what you said applies to all the new Star Wars movies. That they need more time on those scripts and more time to develop everything. Well, and I'm glad that Solo screwed them over so bad that they're doing that now. <laughs> but yeah. it shouldn't have taken this long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens sometimes with big organizations. You know, you have the people on top who are trying to tell everybody what to do, and they won't listen to anybody. But until they saw that balance sheet 
read, they couldn't deny the fact anymore that they were doing a bad job. Yeah, they, they had too many plates spinning with Marvel and with their TV deals coming but, out. No, but even that, I mean, they're big studio. Those are different things that they're doing. You know they're what I mean? An unprecedented studio. Yeah. Well, as of now, they own 80% of the market share of the box office earnings of the last year. That's crazy. That's yeah. ridiculous. And now, so I'm hoping that maybe because they're they're going to have more of these more of these studios involved in production that it makes things better, but it could make them worse. It, it's true. I mean, like like you have DC demonstrating you fail, trying to have a universe. At the same time, you have Marvel being enormously successful. And then you have the Star Wars franchise has failed. I mean, period. They failed in their experiment with universe building. Yeah. You know, cinematic universe building. Just like, what was that other one they tried with the uh, monsters? Oh, oh Universal, Universal the Monsters. All that, the Universal. It didn't make one movie. They made <laughs> one movie. Terrible. That was such a dumb idea. No, they made two. They made a, they made a Dracula movie and they made a Mummy, mummy movie. Oh, no, I thought I... the Mummy movie was going to be the first one. Oh, yeah, the Dracula it Untold. Was, is... Yeah, the Dracula Untold. Oh. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> with the guy from The Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He hasn't been in good movies. <laughs> when I see that guy, I'm like, I mean, I watch this one. Can we get back to Ewoks? And finish? <laughs> we haven't finished our, our episode six discussion. Yeah, and um, there was a cool fight. It's just got Muppets in it. Yeah, and I didn't. As a but kid, I, mean, I didn't mind so it. There's so many cool elements to the to the indoor fight. Yeah, the Muppets really didn't ruin it. No, but there's and there's real tension. There's real tension in them trying yeah. to break into that bunker. You don't know if they know what's going on with Luke and the Emperor. I mean, there's there's the speeder bike. I mean, great, just awesome, just awesome. Like those Scout stormtroopers, and you know, it, it had like a real World War Two thing. You know, like they were commandos. And a lot depended on what was happening on the ground level, and so you you know, the force that came in yeah, wasn't the there. Were just sky high. Yeah, it wasn't about coming in and fighting the force head on. It was like they could decimate all of our ships. If this does, like they could get wiped out completely if this doesn't work, it was such a desperate thing. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, you have what Luke Skywalker is going through, which was so interesting yeah, and, and, and a combination and of all the movies. Awesome is, is the Luke Skywalker stuff is so personal. Yeah, it's like like mm-hmm. so intimate and so personal and so into that character that. You know, it's refreshing to get back to Endor and they're doing the back and forth. You know, the lopsided kind of back and forth, you mm-hmm. know, we're we're on top, they're on top, you know, and then there's a space battle, and then you have this, like, really personal struggle with Luke and Vader and the Emperor for the fate of it all, you know? And yeah, it feels like the, the setup with Luke, the Emperor, and Vader, it feels like they have the smallest stakes, but they're the ones fighting over the pivotal, fate of the universe. Pivotal. Yeah. Yes. It's such a great way to tell that story. You know, it's such a great, like, a story structure kind of way that you have the space battles and those are fun and, and exciting and then you have the ground battles and that's fun and exciting and then you have you know this really tense interaction between characters you know it's just great what i love about it unlike episode one everything depends on the other like like mm-hmm. they need to get the shield generator down so that they can blow up the death star but if they don't blow up the death star the empire still has power and if luke doesn't defeat the emperor or Vader, they still gonna have that power in there. Like everything needed to work, 
And if one of them would have failed, it could have screwed them over because the Death Star, you know, they just would have overtaken them with all the ships that were still in the Death Star. Like, everything depended on everything working all the time. Or it all succeeding. Yeah. The stakes felt better. Like, Oh, yeah. It's not like a superhero movie where it's like... I mean, it was kind of like a superhero movie because Luke is essentially a superhero by the end, but with the way the narrative is driven, it's it's winner-take-all on Endor or winner-take-all with a fight between those three. And to have that turn, the unexpected turn, because I don't know if anybody remembers the first time they've seen it, did you really expect Vader to turn? No. no. Until Not even Luke a little Vader. bit. And, and again, you know, that was absolutely shocking to most people that Vader would, would actually do that. Yeah, it just it's sad that it takes... Well, it's not sad. It's it's well written that it takes Luke almost dying, almost succumbing to the Emperor's power for Vader to turn. And that moment, it's so powerful. Really? And it really? doesn't yeah. come out of nowhere. Like, Luke builds up mm-hmm. to trying to and, communicate and with his father. To, it's alluded to. Like, in yes. when Vader says, you know, join me, like, and he doesn't mean, like, you know, join me, you piece of garbage. Like, that's a really heartfelt join me. Right. Fight Luke for me. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, it's fight, fight with me, not fight for me. And so, when Luke rejects Vader, you can see through that armor and through, like, it's so crazy. I know. That's, you you get a feeling that Vader is, like, crushed by that, you know? Yeah. Like, and he that's, really like, wanted Luke to, to join him. Exceptional cinematography in that scene is because yeah. you see the lightning bolts reflected in his visor. Yeah. Yeah. In that fight, and you have mm-hmm. this really establishing shot where it's like you know what he's thinking even though you can't see a single expression on his face it's really well done really well shot mm-hmm. also not directed by george and, and lucas it, and, and it's great because it didn't come out of nowhere yes exactly yes. you know and, and luke isn't just crazy by saying i know there's good in you you know he's not like a moron you know you could also attribute that to the force as well yeah of him feeling that out of saying like you know and him not just assuming that or him just going i wish my dad was nice it's him feeling that (laughs) coming out of him yeah (laughs) i hope he is a good guy you know (laughs) which adds to the force i think that adds dimension to the force which no they've done nothing with (laughs) and god the emperor is so good he's so menacing and like he barely has any lines he just sits mm-hmm. there and smiles, and you're like, Ugh, you know, just in the way he looks and acts, and like every line yeah. that he has is important. And, and, and he just oozes like corruption and depravity. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like like Adam Schiff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a joke for somebody. Yeah. Uh, can we can we all agree that the actor that plays Emperor Palpatine probably is some sort of evil emperor because? Probably. It's the same guy, and he hasn't mm-hmm. aged. It's, it's scary, right? Yeah. He's like Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's like Paul Rudd's grandpa or something. <laughs> I always thought that was weird because when episode one was coming out, I had these collectible cans or whatever, Pepsi mm-hmm. cans, and it had Senator Palpatine. And I'm like, wait, that's the same guy. It was before episode one came out. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, That's yeah. the same guy that played the Emperor in the old movies, right? I'm, I'm not stupid. I logged on to the 299 imdb page and i was like yeah it's the same guy he didn't age 
Can you imagine if Vader was a teenager and the Emperor was the bad guy through the three movies, the main bad guy? How good that would have been. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, Can you imagine that they would have selected a nobody actor instead of Haley Joel Osment to oh, carry their franchise flagship movie? And anyone else would have done anything with that movie? Oh, they should have got anyone. Anyway, so yeah. George episode, Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lucas is the problem in a lot of Star Wars' problems. Ironically. <laughs> Ironically, it's, these new torchbearers have learned the wrong lesson. Absolutely. Well, they, they didn't learn anything. They saw money and ran with it. They didn't go, oh, we oh, respect no, no, Star no, Wars. No. It, what, what it is is like with these newer movies, right? They say, well, we have people who've been into Star Wars for 20, 30 You have four years. generations of Star Wars fans. Yeah, you have four generations of Star Wars fans. And they're going to watch these Star Wars movies no matter what. Mm -hmm. So we want to bring in people who've never watched Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So screw those guys. We're going to make a movie for the people who aren't currently watching Star Wars. Because those idiots are going to watch it no matter what we do. And I think that's the calculation they made. They really messed up it, by not the including... The newer movies are not made for Star Wars fans. Yeah, we poo-poo episode one, two, three... But at least they didn't have Death Stars, and at least they were original, unlike the and new ones that are out now. To do new things with it. Like yeah, he was attempting to do new things. Yeah, it was sloppy and lazy. <laughs> yeah, he didn't actively disrespect the fans. Yes, it was political intrigue and shiny spaceships. Well, no, no, it was it was count. It was shot counter shot, walking on a, a green screen walkway. Yeah. Yes, Most it got. It, oh, he got his love affair with digital film was yeah, absolutely, and, and there was no one there to tell him no. Everyone said you're such a genius. Sit in your chair and do shot counter shot. Yeah, but and I think you're some action so people don't fall asleep. Yeah, but I think you're giving them too much credit because like it's George Lucas and the first three films were so built up. You're not gonna tell him no because he's the visionary from the original three. Yeah. You know, Except that's not the way it happened. Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> you know. yeah, it's his, it's his character work. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's you can't a lot. you can't backbone a film franchise with poor character work. You know, we and, were supposed and, to and we were supposed to dialogue. Lazy dialogue. Yeah. Oh my god, Ewan my McGregor is a great breaking. <laughs> Ewan McGregor is a great actor, and they gave him Period. nothing interesting to Period. say. Period. Nothing interesting. Nothing. You kill off Qui-Gon in the first movie. He also had nothing interesting to say. And Hayden Christensen was an astoundingly bad casting decision. Yes. Anakin alone in all three movies was terrible. When there, there was a universe of better people that they could have gotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are ten people off the top of my head that would have done a tremendous job. Yeah. Better than Hayden Christensen. Yeah, yeah. those movies, the only thing he cared about was the, the digital effects of it. He didn't care, like, he thought, oh, the story's well, I mean, political. He absolutely pushed the boundaries of, of the technical parts of, of making movies. But even absolutely. he should have known that the tech was not practical effects will but, but, always I mean, you know, look that, better. That's, that, but, but that's what George Lucas was interested in, and there was no, no one to tell him no. Yeah. Right, and that's where he, he was really misguided in... Attempting to submit a legacy, mm -hmm. you cannot submit a legacy on on digital effects. Yeah, go back and watch the first Lord of the Rings movie. Those mm -hmm. effects have not aged well. The practical effects have. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The armor. And that's why they the tried to use everything. a lot of practical effects. Yeah. They use a lot of forced perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like old techniques that work. And right. I like the practical the practical work that's done in the new franchise mm-hmm. is a breath of fresh air to see it. Mm-hmm. But there's too much glitz and glamour that's not going to look good in five years. Yeah. And at the same and, time, and the you do have movies that are visually beautiful, but the content is garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like if you want to jump to like The Last Jedi or whatever, that is a beautiful film. It, but it's best enjoyed with the volume, t- with the uh, dialogue gone, <laughs> uh, because it's much more enjoyable that way. Yes. But then you won't understand the plan that has no understanding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta do the thing to get the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta sacrifice the thing so, to so go what, So are we gonna go further or go to? Well, well, I, or? I mean, let's kill it here. We will do the prequel trilogy another time. I gotta rewatch them. I have them. I'm not. I just gotta rewatch them. No, I'm, not. I'm gonna rewatch them. <laughs> There's no way I'm doing no, that. Uh, have fun. I will. I will bite the bullet. And I do can't. It. I refuse. My head cannon. No, no. My head cannon says Revenge of the Sith isn't a bad movie. Oh. But I, I know Attack of the Clones is horrible. And I know Episode 1 is like lazy and dumb. I just. No, I think, lazy and dumb. Yeah. But I think 3 isn't a bad movie. I'm going to rewatch them. 3 is the least lazy and the least dumb. Right, that's what I remember. He kind of puts out some effort. <laughs> yeah. Like, he kind of gets out of his chair a little bit in the third one. Well, yeah, he got... a better story than the other one. But that yeah, lightsaber fight at the end is just so I'm, I'm going to rewatch it. I, just... I know two is the worst. I think episode two, one... Two is, a, two is a snorer. I still think, even with the new ones, that... Episode one is my least favorite. Still, no way. episode one was the most of a disappointment of all of them. Yeah, because people had such high expectations. And then George R. Seven spoke. and eight. Yeah, I think I think seven and eight were like your expectations weren't as high as episode one. Yes, I think people had such high expectations for episode one, and it was so bad. I had a friend in college that went to film school, and he made a cut of episode one where he. he Turn Jar Jar's dialogue from English into some gibberish language, yeah. and it made it a better movie. Wow. Yeah. He was just speaking gibberish. Better. It wasn't English. Mm-hmm. He just had subtitles, and it made it a better movie. That is crazy. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I think that's going to be something that's going to be bigger as we go forward, is, you know, people doing custom cuts of movies. Yep. And, and yeah, there's a dialogue and stuff like that because it's becoming so easy to do. Yep. Yeah, there, there's a Hobbit fan cut that I saw that's actually not bad. Oh, not sure. the last two movies, the first movie. That yeah. wasn't bad. Wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. You could. There's so much there. Like, you can cut out the whole Lake Town. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just cut it down. I mean, the whole Lake Town sequence was an abomination. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very upsetting that Red Letter Media doesn't care about the Hobbit films. Or the Lord of the Rings film, oh, because they, they would have eviscerated Yeah. I, but there is, there is another YouTuber who's doing movies in the style of, of Red Letter Media mm. that, that's covering things that they refuse to cover now. Oh, that's good. I, I don't like like riff tracks and stuff, but I like like film analytics. I don't know if he still makes videos anymore, but there's a YouTuber called Every Frame a Painting. Mm-hmm. If you get a moment, like 
he's got some seven, eight minute long. It's about editing, blocking, and stuff like that. Check his stuff out. It's really cool. That's more of the stuff that I'm interested in. I ran out of faith for the Hobbit trilogy whenever the, I heard that Peter Jackson approached Viggo Mortensen play Aragorn, and I'm like, no, I knew it was going to be dumb. I'm just glad he was more of a bro and that no, Aragorn's not in The Hobbit. See what happens when you tell a director no. Peter <laughs> <laughs> Jackson became the monster that George Lucas became. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Guillermo well, del Toro was supposed to direct The Hobbit. Yeah. I, yeah. It would have been a better movie. It would have been a better movie. <laughs> way better movie. <sighs> All right. Can we... Can we uh, yeah, we got to go. Inside? All right. See y'all right, next time. Thanks for coming, Andre. Okay. Thanks, Andre. It was a blast. Yeah. (laughs) All right.